you're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, again, welcome to Getting in the Word. We're we're glad to have you for joining us for the first time. We want to especially welcome you. What a privilege it is. And uh, again, uh, thank you for being here. And I hope that you'll enjoy our time together this morning as we get in the Word. We've been working through a 10-week series on the doctrine of salvation. Uh, We are now in week seven. And uh, today we're going to be dealing with the topic of adoption. We have Week one looked at the doctrine of common grace. Uh, week two, the elect- doctrine of election and reprobation. We talked about conditional election and unconditional election. And then week three, we talked about the union with Christ. Uh, we came to the conclusion that union with Christ simply is Christ in you. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in you. And so this is in being connected to Christ as a vine and a branch. And then uh, we also uh, went into week four as we looked at um, uh, regeneration. And that was simply, you know, being made new and uh giving a new life. And when you are regenerated, the old has passed away, the new has come. And so it's, it's, it's that, it's that uh, being born again from above, as Jesus told Nicodemus. In week five, we talked about conversion. And uh, week six, we talked about justification, being declared right before God. And uh, so, uh, you know, I kind of went over my Order of Salutis is is that regeneration, conversion, justification. Uh, kind of all of these take place simultaneously at the same time. Some may have a little different theology than that, but nevertheless, um, you know, I don't want to put God in a box, and so the only way I can justify those things happening are that they happen uh, all at the same time. They're a double-sided coin, really. Nevertheless, today we're going to be talking about adoption, and uh, I think that this is such a an intimate conversation to have because adoption is such a beautiful process. Many of you may know someone who's been adopted into the into a family, and they've got a new family. Uh, maybe their parents have passed away. Maybe uh, a mother felt she couldn't provide for her child, and so instead of aborting the baby. She put them up for adoption, and uh, please uh, admin check out the channel because we're getting a lot of mess on there today. So if we have to ban them, let's ban them. I I don't we don't want the the uh, sales pitches happening in the chat. So thank you guys for that. I see y'all are on it. So um, nevertheless, we. Uh, we 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 look at adoption and we we just feel a joy within our soul because the real reality is is when someone is taken in and taken care of it is beautiful and i think as we see 
that as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, yes, we we are regenerated. We're made alive. That's wonderful. Yes, we're converted. We're now a child of God. We are justified. We are declared right before God. But this adoption process is such a beautiful image of God's grace on each one of our lives. We, we, every single one of us, our, our disposition is sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the reality is, is we come into this world non-children of God, stained, separated, in enmity with God. Now, Psalm 51.5 says, in my mother's womb, I was conceived into sin. And uh, and so the reality is, is adoption is a pretty important process in light of God and us. And so here we're going to talk about how God adopts us into his family, where we become an heir of Christ and, and we become a child of Almighty God. And, and when we become sons of God, not the Son of God as Jesus, but children of God, we 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 can rejoice because we we now have a secure inheritance, one that is not going to perish, one that's not going to fade away, but rather one that is imperishable. And uh, thus I, I hold to the eternal security of the believers because we are adopted into the family of God. You don't unadopt. You adopt and those children become yours and they're your children. And when you become a child of God, you become a child of God. And though you may misbehave, though you may make mistakes, nevertheless, you are a child of God. And so that's an important reminder. So uh, week seven, that's what we're going to deal with, adoption. So what is and what do you think adoption means? Well, of course, I've got a few definitions that I'll share with you that I think you'll find helpful. Um and uh, adoption first is the mighty act of God to take sinful people, enemies who are alienated and separated from him, God, and incorporate them as beloved children into his family forever. Now, this definition comes straight from Greg Allison's book, The 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith, a book I encourage you to get as we we really are getting this whole uh, study or this whole series on the doctrine of salvation from this book, uh, 50 Core Truths of Every Christian Faith. So I hope you'll invest in that. I think you'll find it a benefit and a blessing as well. Uh, Secondly, uh, in regeneration, um, God gives new spiritual life within. In justification, God gives right legal standing in adoption, God makes us part of his family. And so you can see how, how I struggle with separating these, as, as some would call it, the order of salutis, the order of salvation. Um, th- these all seem to me to happen simultaneously, um, and, and we can give God glory that uh, in our new life, in this new spiritual regenerated life in this justified being declared right before God that we are adopted in the family of God. And so uh, that that's that's two definitions that maybe you'll find helpful. I also want to 
uh, share with you some verses that uh, maybe this week you can sit down and meditate on. Uh, you know, the scriptures were called to meditate on the word um, uh, day and night to be careful to do according to all that is written within them. So, you know, meditation is an important part of of uh, being a, a warrior for Christ um, because we need to make sure that we've hidden the word of God in our heart. So um, anyways, thoughts and ideas about justification. Well, what is adoption? Well, adoption means to be placed as a son. It's more than uh, just a legal standing or even a change of nature. Um, it is to become a part of God's family. And uh, either you're in the family of God or you're not. Either your father is the devil or your father is Jesus Christ. And so um, we need to make sure that we are certain that we are in the family of God. We want to be in the family of God. We don't want to be in the family of the devil, the liar, the the deceiver, because the reality is, is you're you're either for him or against him. There is no lukewarm Christianity. Um, and so that's important to be reminded of. And so we become part of the family of God, and which includes, listen, all rights and privileges of that relationship. We are brought into the family of God. And that is, you know, um, why Scripture reminds us that we are not born into the family of God, but brought into the family of God. Um, and that is a work of God. God brings you into the family of God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He brings you. Ephesians 1, 5, um, we are reminded of here, that uh, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And thus we find the doctrine of predestination. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, it's a predetermined plan of God. God is an omniscient, all-knowing God. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows for him. He knows who's against him. He knows who's put their faith in Jesus, who doesn't put their faith in Jesus. Nevertheless, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So this is, again, being brought into the family of God, not born into the family of God. So 2 Corinthians 6.18 also said, I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Here is a bigger definition. Um, that you might find helpful, and it comes from the 1689 Confession, for the sake of his only Son, Jesus Christ, God has been pleased to make all justified persons sharers in the grace of adoption, by means of which they are numbered with and enjoy the liberties and privileges of children of God. Furthermore, God's name is put upon them. They receive the spirit of adoption, and they are enabled to come boldly to the throne of grace to cry, Abba, Father. 
They are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastised by God as by a father. He never cast them off. But as they remain sealed to the day of redemption, they inherit the promises as heirs of eternal salvation. That is a wonderful, wonderful definition of adoption. I love the key words um, in that definition, and I posted it in the chat so you can see it. For the sake of his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, God has been, it's, it, I love the word pleased to make, I like that because that shows who's in control, to make all justified, not unjustified, only the justified, only the declared right persons can now be shares in the grace of adoption. You don't earn adoption. You can't be good enough to get adoption. You can't even do anything to be adopted. It has nothing to do with you. You know, I watched uh, the movie uh, Show Us the Father by the Kendrick Brothers. If you've never seen it, you need to go watch it. We watched it as a church. We rented the entire theater, and we watched it as a church family, and it's a beautiful film. And and the film deals with uh, adoption. I won't give away the end result, but these children who are being adopted have nothing to do with the adoption process other than than them getting a picture and choosing which child that God would put on their heart to take into their home. And this is a beautiful picture of God's grace on your life and my life. It is grace, the grace of adoption. It is, it is getting something you don't deserve. I don't deserve to be adopted into the family of God. But nevertheless, from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, not our will, not our works, not our words, not our deeds, but rather the grace of God in him adopting us. By means, he says, which they are numbered with and enjoy the liberties and the privileges of children of God. So that's that's another beautiful terminology here. Uh, furthermore, God's name is put on their heart. They receive the spirit of adoption. They are enabled to come boldly to the throne of grace to cry, Abba, Father. You know, Isaiah 59, 2 reminds us our sins have made a separation between us and God, and he doesn't even hear our voice. But as children of God, as adopted children, as we've received the spirit of adoption, listen, we are enabled. We are now able to come boldly to the throne of grace to cry, Abba, Father. I love it. Here he uses their pitied, protected, provided for, and chastised. Listen, a good father cares. He pities his child when they make mistakes. He, he protects them, and, and uh, certainly our salvation is protected. And to all whom he's given, none will 
ever be taken away. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He will protect you. He will provide for you, right? Jesus says, if he provides for the lilies of the field, how much more will he provide for you as a child of God? I will do anything in my power to provide for my children. And uh, chastised by God. A good father disciplines his children. A matter of fact, the scripture says if you if you are living in sin and you're not being disciplined by God, then you're an illegitimate child. Um, and then I love this idea that he never cast them off. That's eternal, guys. When you're talking about God, and God says never, right? This is eternal security. This is never, this is eternally being protected. He will never cast you off. Why? Because you become a child of God. He who has the Son has the life now in the present tense. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And so as they remain sealed to the day of redemption, they inherit the promises as the heirs of everlasting salvation. Beautiful definition by the 1689 Confessions. So when does adoption take place? Well, adoption takes place at the time of our salvation. When does our salvation take place? Well, that's the order of salutus. That's the order of salvation. And, uh, well, we, we may have different opinions of that, but nevertheless, you're saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the process by which that takes place. You are justified, you are, you are regenerated, you are uh, justified, you are sanctified, you're being sanctified, and uh, one day you'll be glorified. But nevertheless, adoption takes place at the time in which you are saved. You are saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're not saved when you get to heaven and God says, how much good did you do? Did it outweigh your bad? That's not biblical, and thus that is not uh, accurate. It is a work of God. Adoption is a work of God. It is by the will of God. It is by the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. So the question is, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and not your deeds, for, for Galatians 2.20 says, if we could be saved by keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly, then ultimately we can know that we are saved. And if we are saved, then we can know that we are adopted into the family of God. And so the question is, are you saved? Because if you are saved, then you are adopted. Christ alone are made into sons and daughters of God. A relationship that can only take place through adoption, since in sin we cannot call God our Father. In John 8, um, 41 to 44, the Pharisees answered, Jesus, for we have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here, and I'm not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And you are your father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Listen, adoption takes place at conversion. Conversion. 
um, John 1, 12 to 13, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born. This is important. Not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? But of God. So here, again, we find this, this beautiful picture of God seeing man's inability, his absolute incapability of reestablishing a broken relationship with God because of sin, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and uh, you all have a death warrant. We all have a death warrant until we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we are made right with him. We are regenerated, we are justified, we are declared right, we are converted into a believer, and we are adopted into the family of God. So adoption results in a change in the way God relates to us. So um, now, how does this Adoption result in a in a change in the way that God relates to us. Well, I mean, the reality is if you have a child and and I am friends with you and I am a father, but I am not your child's father, there's going to be a different kind of relationship, isn't there? But if I adopt your child, then there is a different relationship and how I relate to that child. So now God thinks of us not as sons of Satan, but sons of himself as our, our father. So he, he so here we see in Galatians 4, 7, he says, So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Right? So you're not a slave. But a son. Now, what does he mean by you no longer slaves? Well, I think what he's talking about is is uh, slaves to the Galatian heresy, which is a works based salvation that you could obtain the law, that you could fulfill the law and accomplish good works, which would then result in ultimately you being saved. Um, but when you put your faith in Christ, you're redeemed, you're saved, you're set free, you're born again from above, you become a child of God. So you are no longer a slave to sin, to the to a works-based salvation, but, but a son. You are now a child of God. And if a son, then an heir through God. You, you obtain all of the benefits. If I die, my children get my money, my home, my house, my my things, they might be sadly disappointed if they think they're going to get money, but nevertheless, because uh, I don't have any money, but, uh, you know, they'll get some of my uh, my replica guns, which are not real guns, but they'll all have plenty of replica guns. Uh, they, my, they'll get my stuff. Why? Because they're, they are my children. Their sons. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, Pray then like this, Our Father, who in heaven, hallowed be your name. So 
so we 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 know that now God thinks of us as his sons. Now God loves us because we're children of God. First John 3, 1 to 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. So we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are children of God now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So God loves us now. As children of God. And now now we see that as children of God, he now takes care of us. So he says in six uh, Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Therefore be anxious for nothing. Can we honestly say this morning that we're not anxious for anything? Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God cares for you, and God will provide for you. He will protect you. I'm certain that we come this morning, and some are feeling anxious. You know, I think it's healthy, my friends, for you to take a break from social media. You know, I've been posting a lot of pictures of fishing and my family, and I think it's important that we disconnect from media, from the world issues, from the political problems. Because I'm here to tell you, some of you are anxious because you've allowed the enemy to allow the things of this world to consume your minds. I mean, it's every day. It is all day long. Listen, it is all consuming. It is idolatry, my friend. It's idolatry. And you need to cut it off because if all you are thinking about is the political issues. I mean, every channel I go to, it's all day long. Cue this, cue that, President Trump this, President Trump that, the secret message here, the secret message there. I have to step away because it drives me absolutely bonkers. Be anxious for nothing because God is your Father and He will provide all your needs. He will take care of you. You will have what you need because you are a child of God. 
Now, if you're not a child of God, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I could understand you being anxious. But if you are a child of God and you're anxious and you're scared to death that the world's going to end and and all bad things are going to happen and there's going to be war and there's going to be all this and all that. Listen, there is exactly the same fear-mongering that the left is driving you to be fearful or this world to be fearful is the right doing the exact same thing in the other direction. It's equally evil. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Make your request made known to God in the peace of God who surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, I'm an heir of God. And if I'm an heir of God, if I die, so be it. I'll be with my Father in heaven for eternity. So we don't need to be scared. We don't need to be anxious. What we need to do is go fishing. Cast your net. Catch some shrimp. Eat some food. Cut down social media. As evil as it is, maybe you need to watch some football or something. But nevertheless, we certainly need to read our Bibles. But the reality is, is as adopted children, God takes care of us, my friend. Not only does he take care of us, now that we are children of God, now God disciplines us for our good. He says in Hebrews 12, 3, 6, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggles against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood? If you've gotten the exhortation and the address, you as sons, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Listen, you you, you will be disciplined if you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Adoption changes, right, the way God relates to us. Adoption results in a change in the way we understand and live our lives. (laughs) This is how it applies to our lives and how we live. Now we have an inheritance, my friend, in heaven with Jesus because we are adopted into the family of God. We have hope. Maybe you come today and you say, Pastor, I don't have this kind of hope. Listen, our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Our hope is found in nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Romans 8, 17 says, If you are children, then heirs, and then heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Listen, uh, we have an inheritance. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return again and, and receive you to myself. That where I'm there, you may be also, John 14. Right? We have hope. We are now led by the Spirit of God. It's no longer I who lives, Galatians, but, but Christ who lives in me. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, our sons of God. So are you a son of God? You are if you are led by the Spirit of God. He says, walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, for the flesh and the Spirit are in opposition to one another. But walk in the Spirit because you are sons of God. Changes the way we understand and live our lives. We have faith. We walk by faith and not by sight now. We are now led by the Spirit of God, and thus we can walk by faith. When the world is collapsing around us, we can just walk by faith, not in fear, because when fear moves in, faith moves out, my friend. So you have to ask yourself the personal question, are you walking in faith? Or are you walking in fear? Both can exist. Both can exist. So are you walking by faith? We now not only are led by the Spirit, we now gain assurance of salvation. So we have hope, we have faith, we have confidence. Are you confident today? Listen, there is something beautiful about having confidence in your salvation. I mean, the Bible tells you you can have confidence. He who has the Son has the life. These things I've written to you so that you may know you have eternal life. Yes, Stuart Guthrie knows he has eternal life. He knows he's living for eternity right now. Why? Because my Savior, Jesus Christ, was born into this world as a man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And God saw our absolute incapability. And so God, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son into the world, and He became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and He lived perfectly. As Hebrews says, He understood us, and He, he, he encountered the temptations as we yet without sin. He lived perfectly life. He, he never sinned, and he became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Stuart Guthrie is certain of his salvation. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place. He took my, my place. He took my sin and applied it to himself. He was my sins, my substitute my substitutionary atonement, and he died on my behalf, was buried in the grave, and as predicted in the word of God, he was raised on the third day, and now we have the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You want to be saved this morning? Put away your good works. Don't think they save you because they don't. Jesus says they are filthy rags. Your good works don't save. They don't even help save. But what does save you is your faith 
in Jesus Christ, that he died for you, was buried and raised again on the third day. That was God's solution to the problem in which you have because of sin. And if we need to know that we are saved, we have to believe the gospel because the gospel, my friends, the scripture says, is the power to save. So Stuart Guthrie is certain. I am positive that if I were to die today or Christ were to come back, I would be in heaven because I am a child of God and I've been adopted into the family of God. So I can have confidence. Romans 8, 14 to 17, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children heirs of God and if fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Galatians 4, 4 to 7, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, <laughs> so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. Your salvation, my friend, is secure. So adoption, so yes, uh, should change our understanding of how we live. Adoption should also result in a change in the way we relate to one another. Romans 8, 12, so then, brothers, we are, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We don't live in the flesh, and so we have to relate to each other as that way. We, we, we need to take God very seriously, just not each other, because we are going to make mistakes. You know, those folks who think they're so self-righteous, all their, their job that God has called them to is to sit around and twist your words and my words and they're the authority in your life that you are speaking truth or error. Let, let them do what they do. But you, my friend, you walk not according to the flesh. You just be faithful in proclaiming the truth of God's word, trusting the Lord with your life and let your life be the example. Let your life speak louder than your words. It should change the way we, re we relate to each other. First Timothy 5, 1 to 2, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. Because we are now children of God, we ought to treat one another like brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, right? With all purity. Not misuse one another in impurity, with sexual passions and lust, but like family. Should change our perspective of how we view one another. Adoption should not only change the way we relate to each other, should change in the way we live in the world. This is important in our day. 
Ephesians uh, chapter 5, we, we are reminded in verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant aroma and sacrifice to God. Live as imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love. How are you loving one another? How are you serving one another? How are you encouraging one another? For the Lord Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. I mean, the King of kings and Lord of lords served as a servant, as a slave, humbled himself. How much more should we in this world love one another? Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may become blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights into the world. Are you, are you that example to follow? Are you living your life without grumbling or complaining or questioning what God is doing? We live in a twisted generation, my friends. And you, by the way you love one another, will be shining lights into this dark, perverted world. So adoption should change the way we live in the world. It should change the way we present the gospel. Sam Waldron, in an article, wrote, It is proper to offer men justification, adoption, and gifts, and, and gift of the Spirit if they will embrace Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel. We may therefore tell men that they must not think they are called upon to live the Christian life in their present resources. Rather, they must come to Christ as poor, helpless sinners. from him and receive all they need for life and godliness. As children of God, we should tell the world about how good our life is with our new father. I think that we don't consider the importance of a good heavenly father and how wonderful it is to be a child of a perfect daddy, a perfect father. Though you may be fatherless, though you may have a bad father, we have a heavenly father who certainly provides our needs. He intercedes on our behalf when we don't even know what to pray. So he provides for us. He prays for us. He pursues us. He protects us. He's a good father because we are adopted children 
of a perfect heavenly father. Let me ask you today, have you been adopted into the family of God? And if you haven't, put your faith in Jesus Christ, which is the only way that you can certainly be adopted into the family of God. And it should, when you're adopted, it changes the way you live your life. But you can do that today by putting your faith in Jesus. Call out to him, save even a sinner such as me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power unto salvation to anyone who believes. Now you lack one thing, my friend. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of your word, and we thank you, and we're so grateful that you've adopted us into the family of God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for these things, and we ask that you bless this day and each one here in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast, and be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.